You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Uh, hey everybody, great to be with you again. It is the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Repco. It is episode 151. No real note on that, but just... For those keeping score at home, uh, I'm Aaron Noon and he's Will Dale. Hello, Will. How are you going? I'm great. Good to have you with me as we take on a Q&A episode of V8 Sleuth. We haven't done this on the pod for a little while. Um, our listeners provide the Qs and we provide the As is the very basic way that we flow through these. Something just before we get into the first question, we've got a ooh, about five pages worth here to work our way through. A little reminder, what is coming in December? My birthday. Apart from that... <laughs> You, you mean the Bathurst 1000, do you not? The Apart Repco from that, Bathurst 1000? Apart from that. Christmas. Christmas, correct. Hey. And where should you go for Christmas? Uh, V8 Sleuth Bookshop, naturally. Correct, wait. Bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. There's a bunch of books, prints, DVDs, all sorts of motorsport stuff. Get in now because the way the postal system's going, mm. uh, you might want to get your order in for Christmas about yesterday yeah. because uh, things are in a bit of a strain. So jump on the website, make sure you lock yourself away. For Christmas, uh, by the way, December is also the Repco Bathurst 1000. Of course, uh, that date has been tweaked and changed twice now. It is now a six-day booming Bathurst bonanza is what I'm going to call it. Uh, more categories than you can point a stick at. Uh, it is said to be the biggest Bathurst, well, ever. I think that's pretty safe to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you consider that there were Bathurst, there were, what, two-day race meetings a long time ago? This this one comfortably qualifies as the biggest one ever. <laughs> Back in the day, practice used to start on the Wednesday, mm. uh, come uh, the 80s, I think, that it was at that stage. And probably the last time that happened was the mid-90s before they paired it back to starting on Thursday for opening practice. So all those categories from the ARG side of the fence, all of the supercars support categories that we all know, Super 2, Super 3, Porsche Carrera Cup, all that sort of stuff, there's uh, plenty for everyone. Hopefully as many people as possible can get back to Bathurst this year for the great race. After last year, lots of people had their streak broken uh, of going to the mountain, whether it be 20, 30, 40 straight years in a row. Uh, I think everyone's allowed to keep their streak I as long so. as they watched yeah. it on TV, yeah. There's an asterisk next to it, but it's okay. <laughs> it was as close as any of us, could, as many of us could get. First time I've watched it on the couch since 1999. Wow. Last year. Well, I went to the two liter race in '99, but not the V8 race. Well, at least you were nice and dry in comparison to that two liter race. Yeah, I'm still thawing out and drying <laughs> out from uh, the Bob Jane Team Arts Bathurst '99, uh, mm. as it was. The other thing too, uh, just to quickly cover off, uh, the Repco Supercars Championship is going to come back to life. At the end of the month, City Motorsport Park, four weekends in a row. So a bunch of different race formats and tyre usage and, and the like. It's simply we're getting asked by a lot of people why, you know, why is New South Wales getting this when you know Victoria needs it, South Australia could have it, 
what's the go? Reality is you've got to get everyone in there for Bathurst in the mm. same state, uh, and, and they can hub quite easily at that location and that venue. And they've done it before. Remember, it's the place that got us going last year after the, the stoppage due to COVID too. Exactly. It just it just made so much financial sense and logistical sense to do it that way. Queensland wasn't an option in the end because it was going to cost major dollars to hub everyone there NRL style. Mm. But then there was also the ever-present wafting potential of a snap lockdown and things yeah. changing. And then all of a sudden, all that effort and work and money is for nothing. Mm. I mean, we saw the NRL grand final with a few murmurs just close to- it being held, it did go ahead. Call. Yeah. It was a very close call. I mean, there was a few other states lining up to offer for, for having <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, the great state of North Queensland had <laughs> yeah. its hand very high in the air from, from what I saw. I talk about the Eastern Creek City Motorsport Park scenario because it is the first question from Stephen Rosevere. He says, should we have a co-driver enduro race at Eastern Creek, SMP, in the four backup uh, four back-to-back events that are coming up? Surely it would be a great lead-up for Bathurst and give the co-drivers some race miles. Thoughts? I think it would have been a fun idea. I mean, it's something that I know we talked about in the office a few weeks ago now. Um, it's a shame that they haven't done that. I can understand on the cost basis why they wouldn't do that. But realistically, you're having 200, you're having what, two 250K races at one of those rounds anyway. Mm-hmm. Could mm-hmm. easily just blend that into one single 500K race. And if you're not going to do, and obviously they're not doing that, but at the very least, they could have given the co drivers a bit more running at that final round. What are they getting? Half. 40 minutes? Yeah, something like that. I would have actually, if you're the main game supercar drivers and you've done three rounds in a row Mm. and you're on to the fourth one, surely you don't need that much practice for the last one. You've just spent more time in a race car in the last three weeks uh, because we've never been so prolific in the racing. Mm. I remember there was, I think, the end of 2010, we had three of the last, um, the the last three rounds within the space of four weeks at Sandown, Simmons Plains. Weekend, other way around, Simmons Plain Sand and Weekend Off Sydney Olympic Park. So I felt too that there was a great possibility to do this sort of scenario. Give the co-drivers the majority of the practice for the 500 on the fourth weekend. Hmm. Let the main game drivers have a, a session just to get their eye back in. It's yeah. only fair. Yeah. But they've just been racing three weekends in a row at the same track. Yeah, I know that the big issue is around running time. There's, they've done a lot of work and I know a lot of fans – rip it out of supercars and the commission and the board, they've done a lot of work to understand exactly what it costs per kilometre mm. to run these cars, irrespective of practice, qualifying, racing, ride days. And it's not cheap. No, it's no, not no, a no. small there, number. The, there's a number it is that it works out per kilometre. I don't have it at mm. hand. But so when you see a race distance that's 300 kilometres for a weekend of running, how many practice sessions, what format of qualifying, they're adding up how many Ks that the cars are doing because it costs – Money, but your point's a great one. If you're going to have two 250k races, why not have a 500? Mm. I know that refueling is an element. You need the refueling equipment to be installed. You need the crew who's able, who are able to uh, to run it. But then, then I also look at it and go, well, you're going to have that equipment and stuff for two weeks after that at Bathurst. Correct. So I think moving forward, when we come out of this, I mean, it's going to take a while to come out of the COVID era, mm. but more out of the COVID era, we've got to get a 500 back. Sure. Obviously, I want it to be at Sandown, but I think it's important as part of our championship, as part of the overall, what the fans love and what the fans uh, expect, a 500. I actually, I had it in me. I thought they might do it. Yeah. I really thought I would see that story about the the four formats and see that there was a Sydney Motorsport 500 
and that Larry Perkins and Thomas Mazira would lose their mantle as the reigning champions of the Sydney 500. But they have still still managed to maintain that <laughs> since 1990. They are still the carryover champions. This is a long streak, isn't it? It's going to go longer. Yeah. It's going to go longer. But to answer the question, great lead up. There will be reasons why oh, supercars have done this. Um, but I'm sure that every there'll be 24 or 5 co-drivers hands in the air <laughs> saying, yes, great idea, should have done it, want to do it. I'll, I'll happily do it. But I'm pretty sure Garth Tander was one of those talking about it on um, seventh gear last week. Mm. Yeah, it makes total sense yeah. as well. So uh, my thoughts are it would have been great. Uh, I understand that there's probably reasons why it can't and won't happen, but let's get a 500 back on the calendar for next year because I think it's important. I don't think there should be three Enduros like we, we used to have. Gold Coast can go back to being a single driver round. It would be a great final round. We've got Newcastle to be the, the kickoff next year. We've got perfect bookends in terms of big marquee events in great markets, street courses, road courses. Let's, you know, let's find that 500Ks, have the 500, have the 1,000. You can bring back your Enduro Cup if you want for those two races. Why not? Yeah, that makes sense. Although I did enjoy, I did like the Enduro Cup as a sort of season within a season concept. No one cared. Yeah, that was the issue. You know, there was guys who won the Enduro Cup that didn't really win any of the races. Mm. No one cared. With all due respect, I'm sorry to the the partners sorry, who backed sorry. it. And, oh, yeah. but like in the grand scheme of things, Bathurst is the big thing that looms. Yeah. The overall championship fight of who's just taken the championship lead overall championship or bombed out of it or who's neck and neck. They're all. This thing was like the third, fourth, or fifth storyline hmm. out of all of those things. It's never going to overcome those other elements. So, oh, for sure. If you put up a whole lot of cash for it. That'll could, help. You could argue that would have helped a lot of the ideas that have come into the sport <laughs> over the years. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, probably would have bombed a few as well. But yes. uh, nevertheless, uh, we, we combined would say we would like to have seen a 500, but we understand why there's not. But next year, we are all for it, and we are going to start a petition for it. Yes. Yeah. Bring back Sandown. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bring back the Sandown 500. Correct. Shane Jones, has any other events hosted four meetings in a row in Australian Touring Car Championship slash Supercars history? No. Yeah. No. Not even close. With Even without going back to um, AN1 data to just verify that what we thought was right, no. no. There were no instances that came to mind. So, two's the max. Two is the maximum. We did that last year. So- And that had happened in the past as well. Okay. So, what are the- What's the what's the breakdown here? All right. So, two in a row is the maximum. That happened at Sydney Motorsport Park last year, obviously. Yep. Also yep. happened at Simmons Plains, in, which is the last round of 1970 and the first round of 1971. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, we did a, dig a little bit deeper. And of course, we've it, had double ups. Exactly. Last year, this year, Darwin, Townsville. Yes. Yep. Yep. And so, we did a little bit of digging to see if any states had hosted four mm-hmm. consecutive supercars rounds. Mm-hmm. And- well, obviously, it will. New South Wales will mm. over the next month and a well, half. Well, they're going to go more than four. Exactly. It's going to actually they're gonna be- They're going to go six. Six, yeah. When you factor in Bathurst to end this year and then Newcastle to start next year. I wonder where round two will be next year. I know, right? City Motorsport Park? <laughs> Extend the street? Yeah. The um, New South Wales Supercars Championship, yes. <laughs> Amps Car Series. <laughs> There's a trophy. Yeah. Um, so, we found prior to now, three races within a state in a row is- the most that has happened in the past. Two of those have happened in New South Wales. And, where And have you had to stretch it over calendar years to do it? We right? have, yes. Yeah, okay. Still counts. Yeah, or two out of three times right. we stretched over a calendar year. 
Um, the first instance was 1985-86 where Amaru and Oren Park finished 85 and they started 86 at Amaru. Mm-hmm. 88, Amaru and Oren Park once again closed out the season. First round of 89 was at Amaru. 97, the start of the supercar- V8 Supercars era. The first three championship rounds were Calder, Phillip Island and Sandown. But also, if you want to stretch it that little bit further, the non-championship races at the Australian Grand Prix were before Mm. round one. So, Mm. that's four supercars Mm. events. I remember people were very shirty about that in 1997 because round five was at Winton. So, Victoria had four (laughs) of the first five rounds in that year's Australian Touring Car Championship and, of course, the Sandown 500 in September as well as that and Mm. the Grand Prix. Yeah. So, good year if you were based in Victoria. Those were the days. Can we go back to that? Except Brocky announced his his retirement after those four Victorian rounds. He did too. So, Sandown was the only Victorian farewell for Brock in the 97 season because it was Lakeside that was the first one Mm. after he'd announced it. Of course- Dick Johnson homeland. Yes. Um, what do you have? Malala, Barbagallo, yep. Oran Park. Hit all the available states at least <laughs> once. It was really <laughs> smart when you think about it. And I'm sure John Davison would have been stoked. Yeah, good for merch sales too. Yeah. Actually, I remember rowing up to get into Sandown for that 597. The It's all different now off Springvale Road, that side entrance gate. A lot of our listeners will know at Sandown when you come in there rather than coming oh, in off Sandown really Road. really easy to miss, yeah. Well, now they've taken out the level crossing there with, with the, where the train station is and put the train station underground and, you know, th- there's a link road that you can go over and pop out the other side. But we were in the, the exit that you had to exit off um, into this link road. Anyway, it took forever to mm. get into the track. It was an hour plus from Jesus. the peel off at the station just to get in the gate. It wow. was massive. It was, you know, so many people talk about some big crowds at events these days with supercars and things like that. Not even close back to then. I mean, and that's, I'm not one of those, it's better then than now. Some elements are, some elements are not. But the crowd and the size and the volume and the traffic jam <laughs> was was seriously impressive for that 97 season. Well, there was only one Peter Brock and he was only retiring once as far as we knew. <laughs> I was waiting for a line there, yeah. and uh, you didn't you got need it. to do it. You needed to, you didn't even need to add it because yeah. the line that you did uh, got it. Hey, Brenton Thorpe, he's a long time listener. Which tracks hosted the most touring car rounds? Maybe a top ten or twenty would be interesting to listen to. Well, top twenty wouldn't be lis- interesting to listen to because it would take us too long. Uh, can you give us top ten or thereabouts, Will? I reckon you know this. Sandown, I know, is number one. Correct. And Tassie's number two. Correct. So Sandown's the only venue that has hosted more than fifty rounds of the championship. 51. With 51, yes. Right. Okay. Uh, Simmons Plains is next on 48. Uh, and that's impressive given it had four years where it wasn't on the calendar mm. in the early 2000s. Absolutely. And considering, like, because Simmons is one of the older venues to have made its first appearance in the championship as well. 69, I think yeah, it was. The yeah, first year, um, the first year it was a series. Yeah. So, next on the list is another faraway venue in terms of Wanneroo Raceway on 42. And it missed about five years too. They had the first round there in 73. Mm. Then they didn't go back till 78. Yeah. So, four, five, six, yeah, four years there like Tassie that they could have been bumped up the list to- They missed another at, in behind. the 2000s as well. Uh, 2010. Yeah. Was every year there was a war over the the race in Perth, and no, we're not going, we're not going, said Cochrane. Supercars, we're not going. Wait, VB stepped in, and then all of a sudden, sponsor. (laughs) And then every time they found a way, and everyone kind of went, ah, every year this happens. And 10, no round, all Mm. the teams went because they had ride days to do. (laughs) So I remember uh, Norton, who backed Lowndes, Wink Up at Vodafone, James Moffat. 
Um, oh, they were tied up with another team from memory. They had a big function over there and hosted it. Like it was like a race weekend <laughs> lead up with all the promo events and all the stuff. They crammed none of the with none of the race weekend. I think we. I can't remember if I talked with Moff about this on the last few pods. James Moffat. They craned his Norton Falcon into the casino. <laughs> Like up and inside the casino for this function, it was it was going off? There was a couple of hundred people at this nightclub this night, and it was a big talk night. And from memory, everyone got a bit loose, and it was all quite fun. But it, it felt like a race week. There was just no race event on. <laughs> there was just uh, teams doing ride days. Yeah, so okay. So Wanneroo's three. Yep. What's four and five? Oren Park Raceway is four, and which, then- is, which is interesting considering it hasn't been on the calendar for what 12, 13 mm. years since it was. Finished. Yeah. And even more interesting is fifth with Winton, which didn't host a championship round until 1985. And they've missed a couple along the way, but yeah. not 87, 96, mm. and 05 because it was around at China. Yes. Yeah. So, they've only missed a handful in that time. Mm. And then it drops away, though, after that. Surely. Yeah, it drops away after that. Um, sixth is Lakeside and Bathurst on 29. Okay. Yeah. And that's relevant because Sydney Motorsport Park is currently a fair way down the list on 25, but it will move into equal sixth over the <laughs> next the few end months. Of this year. <laughs> and then Bathurst will move into sixth alone once the 1000 happens. And of course, the 1000 has been part of the championship since 1999. There were mm. some rounds held prior to that, Easter in the 90s, uh, or Easter sorry, in the Easter 70s. in the 70s, and <laughs> yeah. then those 90s rounds that were held as well. So there you go, Brenton. There's the rundown. If it's helped you answer some trivia somewhere or make some money, uh, you can pass a bit of it on to Will uh, <laughs> because he's done all the work on this one. So next Sandown. question. Yes. See, Sandown. Sandown wins again. Yes, yes, it does. Survives once again. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Rolf Mamers, the Dash for Cash was always a great spectacle. Do you think maybe they should do something similar in the future? I reckon Glenn Seaton would not agree with that opening <laughs> line because he kept drawing six all he the did. time. And then ten when they expanded it to ten. Um, the, fir- the first time he won one was when they stopped counting for grid positions. <laughs> he won the first one where the result didn't matter. I think in 93 he set all these pole positions in qualifying I don't think he converted any of them into a None, dash win, did not he? Not a single one. Back. He would have, he would have been somewhere in the near the top of the list of consecutive pole positions had it not been for the dash. Yeah, well, this is one of those things, the dash for cash. It's a little bit rose-coloured glasses, mm. I reckon. We have a lot of things that our fans and our listeners and our readers on our website want to bring back. Why don't they do this anymore? Why don't they do that? I think there's a few more questions in this pod that relate to things like that. Remember at the time, it was really eh. It was very oh, yeah. speedway. It, people were labelling it was a Mike Raymond thing. Of course, it got them on Sports World on Channel yeah. 7 of a Sunday morning with four or five live minutes racing. worth of TV. It was live. If it wasn't live, it was very close, close to live. Um, once they tweaked it, once they took away- So, 1992, the dash came in and it died at the end of 95 once Peter Jackson was gone. Hmm. Once they tweaked it so it didn't count for grid positions, then it was more palatable. Mm. But when you had a guy who had, yeah, like those Glenn Seaton ones, qualified on pole, drew six just out of bad luck, finished fifth, you know, I'm I'm feeling though like 
the entertainment value of the sport versus the sporting contest of the sport, is it more of a tipping point of where we're at at the line now than then? Mm. It's a competitive sporting landscape. Everyone's looking to um, come up with the uh, something that still feels authentic enough but doesn't feel like it's artificial, a gimmick. A gimmick. Yeah. You know, we've seen T20 cricket take over cricket and look how it's made cricket grow. Mm. Um, there'll be people who are for and against, but the facts are the facts. AFL, okay, AFLX, we won't go there. <laughs> we won't go there. NASCAR's all-star race. Yeah. I. You know what? When I read this question, I thought, no. Do we think it? Oh well. Do we think it should be something similar to that in the future? You know what? I would have said no, but the more I think about, it, the more I think you've talked yes. yourself into it, haven't you? Well, yeah. if you if with a few caveats. So, if you picture this, so we're in a in a scenario now where our uh, and I'm talking supercars. Mm. You know what? Twelve, thirteen rounds, half on free to wear, everything else on pay TV the whole time. Just as a little thought, and it might not be able to happen until a new rights deal is done or something might pop. You know, I, I think it would go against the current rights deal. Fox mm. would say anything that happens on a track in a supercar round is ours. Is yeah. ours. Um, but if you were – come with me, Will. Come mm-hmm. with me here. Yeah. If you ran a dash on Saturday morning because you've done the schedule that qualifying was on Friday and you ran it a 10-minute slot or a 15-minute slot Saturday morning on Facebook Live, or on YouTube Live, or on you know, in a digital platform sense, mm. whether you can drag a Netflix in to do some, you know, have some rights or an Amazon, or, you know, whoever it might be, they're all looking for content. They're all looking yeah. for new angles and new things. Maybe that's a way to have it. Oh, the top six or the top ten or the top eight or whatever it is. Hey, look, draw, draw a card, have a race, start from where you qualify, chance for a little bit of bonus prize money, a little bit of you know, small bonus championship points. Play on. Puts more impetus in qualifying in the 10. Might mix it up a bit. Couldn't be a bad thing. I reckon I reckon it'd need a bit more than a smaller amount of prize money. So well. Maybe it's substantial. But it doesn't sound bad. Like, it doesn't no, sound- No, I've heard sillier things. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to um how much- It comes back to the um kilometres, dollars per kilometre value oh. that we were discussing earlier. A th- a You've got to make it worthwhile. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and don't forget, too, by the time that the buyout- has gone through and done. The teams aren't going to have the say that they used to have. This is true. So let's ring everyone who's involved <laughs> in the new entity to own supercars and get in their ear and give them this suggestion. Yes? No? No, I'm on board. I'm yeah. on board. Um, if only, if, it probably won't be the um, Boost Mobile dash for cash, but- <laughs> You never but, know. You never know. Yeah, yeah. You do never know. Um, uprights included. <laughs> uh, Tim Faulkner asks, if round wins were still awarded, how far ahead of Scafie would Jamie Winkup be? So- Although round wins haven't been awarded since 2009, end of 2008, sorry. Yeah. Um, our A&1 data, we do still track. We do. Top point scorer Top, for the weekend. Exactly. Which became a bit more of a focus last year because we had those mixed tyre rounds where kind of it was a better representation of your weekend, what you did yeah. overall rather than in each help, race. Helped tell the championship battle yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, so, we've kept a track of all this and, of course, Scaife took 42 round wins. Over the course of his career, Jamie Wincup, if round wins had been paid, continued to be paid, he would currently be on 55 round wins. And that puts him on top of all. Comfortably. Well, not comfortably, but it puts him on top. Well, well, Lowndes is second, isn't he? Yeah. So, I guess he's not going to creep away from Lowndes. <laughs> no. Or, <laughs> well, or well, Lowndes well, has got to creep closer. Yeah. yeah, not this year. They'll, yeah. they'll If they have a win um, this year, then they'll move one along the line each and then- 
whatever that, that, Jamie can get at Sydney Motorsport yeah, Park, really. Yeah, that's right. But then also, um, it brings to the, the next question. Do you reckon Lowndes is in a wild card car at Triple Eight next year? Feels that way, doesn't it? You kind of would want to hope so. Well, everything smells like what's being presented that Wing Cup's going to drive the Enduros next year. Yeah. If it, so, was, if it was going to be a no, we'd have heard a no before by now, surely. I can't help but feel that there's- Something. Yeah. I can't- Lowndes ain't going to drive out anywhere else. No. Can't see it happening. Can't see them letting it happen. Yeah. So, make him the spearhead of a wildcard car next year. Tanda stays on with Van Gisbergen. Gar still driving really well. No yeah. point in not having him back. Put They're Jamie with match. Brock. Yeah. Find someone to drive with Lowndes in a third car. I don't think there'd be a shortage of options. No. No. Yeah. Makes sense. So, anyway, long and short of it is, Wing Cup's not going to be caught because the next active full-time driver on the list is Van Gisbergen. And he is on? 27. Yeah. It's a long way, isn't it? He's a long way back. I mean, that's a, that's he's going to be around for a long, long time. I can't hmm. see him- Leaving supercars to go off and chase an international no. GT seat or something. If he was like going that. to, he'd have done so yeah. by now. I mean, he'll still do bits that fit in around his yeah. world. He loves racing, but yeah, I don't think that the round wins list uh, is going to change too much at the top end of town there uh, in the next little while. Yes. That's for sure. Mm. Next question from John Stryker. If the ARG TLA bid for supercars gets up, we will see a scenario where ARG has a significant interest in four of the five events at Bathurst each year. Is it a good thing to have the one company having that much control of events at Bathurst, let alone how many categories they'll have a significant stake in? Interesting question. A couple of bits to unpack of all of this. So, yes, they've already got the six-hour at Easter mm-hmm. and the Bathurst International, which has never actually been held yet. Tried <laughs> yeah, it, it hasn't. Tried, well, it, hasn't, tried yeah. it a few times. It hasn't quite come off. Um, obviously, it's going to be rolled into the 1,000 this year with the, the category, so at least it can um, run in some way, shape, or form. Um ARG won't have full control of supercars. They're all no. the people who are involved with ARG who are going to be involved in this supercars ownership group. So I think that's an important point to make. Yeah. So they're not controlling it fully. No, but Influence, they do have but, con- yeah. you know some form of element of, of connection through their ownership stake. I look at it, there's two ways here. You can be negative Nancy or positive Patty. I'll be Patty. That this, th- these are people who have invested significantly in Australian motorsport. So you can choose to to take that, ride that horse or say, oh, it's unfair that all these people, well, they're all controlling it and they're all doing this and that. Look, there's no doubt about it. Running events at Bathurst, if you do it right, makes you money. Hmm. It costs a lot of money to do. Yes. You've got to have that money to make, uh, to be able to put into it to start with to make it all happen. So I think that the overall better thing is that the fences are coming down. So you're going to have this commonality now between – ARG and the guys from ARG being involved in the supercars ownership group, what do you know? It means it's easier for those categories that are under their control, Trans Am, TCM, TCR, S5000, V8 Touring Cars, if it re-emerges as its own entity away from Super 3, to come and go and to make supercars championship rounds better Mm. from a support category point of view. And then also you can cross-pollinate. So I could actually see, and we're getting away a little bit from the Bathurst topic, but you could have 13 supercars rounds with the best support categories you can put together for the different venues, mix and match. Then you have your seven or eight, what are currently now Shannon's rounds that, you know, TCR and S5000, all these categories are running out. Yeah. What's not to say that you could have Super 2 do one of those as a headline round or that TCR has a headline support role at a supercar round or two or there's a, you know, there's a mix and match potential here that's not there before. So you could do that with Bathurst. 
So suddenly these four events become really good rather than, you know, in their own pig pen. They can be spread across all the pig pens. So I can actually see it's a good thing from one respect. I can understand why people would be frustrated, but- Not even so. Like the- like. It's not. It's not so much control as it is potential influence. So, like you said, over the su- over supercars, but influence goes both ways. It can be good or it can be bad. And that's right. Know. And I think people are tuned will to being bad. It's kind <laughs> yes. of how we we work in our life and in our media world and all the things now that people are most attuned to the negative of yeah. things. And, there, and there's conditioning to that going on because of we're getting so much bad news lately. Whether oh, yeah. it's you know pandemics, earthquakes in Melbourne, protests, Bathurst International bad- cancel again. <laughs> We've we've had it all, so we're sort of just used to negative stuff. We, we yeah. need some positive stuff. So, um, I, I tend to look at it and go, "Well, it's not something I'm going to lose sleep over." The fact is, there's five available dates for events at Bathurst under legislation. Yep, they're all being taken by events that are very different. Four of those five have ownership stakes of commonality. Not much different to, you know, that the AFLs across every AFL game, or that you know, the top. It's the top tier. It's not mm. taking away from state racing or other categories or other things, they're not sucking up the grassroots. They're not, you know, no. pulling them out of the ground, literally out of the ground. <laughs> they're in the business of professional motor racing. So I think, you know, if you've made such a huge investment, let's not forget that. Like mm. people are spending a lot of money here. And, yeah, sure, we live in a commercial world, so making money is important too. Mm. I would, I will never argue against anyone <laughs> making money, which yes. seems to be people out there who think, oh, you can't make money out of motor racing. That's That's unfair. <laughs> Well, you got to pay the people. It's commercial world. (laughs) That's just the fact. That's just reality. So, um, it's interesting. Look forward to seeing what sort of Bathurst events we have in the future. What tweaks get made? Mm. But I think it's great that we might be able to see. Like for example, if you could have, like, let's say the twelve hours running at the right at the moment. Right now, we're not sure twelve hour next year. Whether it's is the date going to be used for something else? Can it be a twelve hour GT race with Asia Pacific and Australia New Zealand cars? Can the world come? Can the world not come? Ugh, yeah. Too many unknowns at the moment. We don't even know what's happening at the end of this month. That's exactly. Guaranteed. Don't know what's happening at the end of this recording session, <laughs> let alone then. But yeah. there's potential. There's potential. Yeah. Could it become a supercars test weekend like it's been mooted before? Can it become a Goodwood flavored type, you know, celebration of motorsport event? Maybe. It gr- it gives so many exciting possibilities of categories and combinations that weren't there before. Mm. So. I'll go positive on that one and think it's not so bad. I think that's a fair approach, Jake. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Uh, Corey State's not asking food questions. I'm really worried. I'm shocked. Like, Corey's <laughs> have weirded, we reached this part of the pandemic? weirded me out with a regular <laughs> car racing question yeah. here this week. What chassis are the two wildcards using for Bathurst? Lots of people want to know this. Yeah, well, the two wildcards are obviously the Brock Feeney, Russell Ingle, Triple Eight run entity. And also the other one is the Boost Mobile backed Greg Murphy, Richie Stanaway. And we run hope by they can get here for it. Yes, which, of course, with everything that's been going on with the pandemic and we hate talking about it, but unfortunately it's a reality that, yeah, that has really impacted their preparations purely on the basis that neither of them can get over here and drive the car they're mm. going to use as the wildcard entry, which, if it goes ahead- 
Uh, we understand that would be EMH 04, which is, I believe, the la- the most recent of the Erebus cars that mm. was built. was mm. brand new for David Reynolds in 2020 and then became Will Brown's car for 2021, except he crashed it at Bathurst at the opening round. And they repaired it and he raced the rest of the weekend, but then it was pulled out of service. Um, yes, to be fully repaired. Yeah, properly. Yes. Repaired enough to return to the track for the yeah. second. It was safe, but it wasn't as- Quite right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the Feeney Ingle car? is 888053, which is the car Jamie Wincup used throughout 2019 and 2020. So, it is the car that crashed at Bathurst last year. Correct. And uh-huh. barring a pit stop decision, could have won Bathurst the year before. Uh, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yeah. Didn't. 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 Next question from Andrew Black. Why don't we have live crosses to chat with the drivers in car anymore? I understand teams don't want to do this and probably say it distracts the drivers, uh, but the drivers constantly talk to their engineers on track anyway. Um, Andrew talks about like how in the past it was always a great feature. You think of Brocky talking his way around in the VK in 86. Mm-hmm. That was great. Do we think they could ever come back or are they gone forever and why? Gone. Yeah, it won't happen anymore. Not in a race. I've seen we've seen them no, do it no. in practice Under with Scotty. Cars, yeah, warm up laps we did there for a little bit. Formation laps. Yeah, uh, but you those days are gone. Yeah, and I'll tell you. Do you remember? Oh, this is going way back. Do you remember the celebrity race at the Australian Grand Prix? I remember this acutely. Do you know where you're we're going? Saint Katrina Roundtree, yep. aren't you? Yep. Was yeah. getting talked to her and had a crash. Yeah. Now it wasn't a professional racing driver. But wasn't given, exactly professional advice she was being given no, at that point either. No, it didn't help at all, did it? Uh, given the world we live in, OH&S and all this sort of stuff, if you have a TV commentator talking to a racing driver who has a shunt and hurts himself or hurts someone else, not good. No. Not good. I mean, that's the world we live in now. It's a very <laughs> different world to 1986 when PB's waving to his mate on Mountain Straight <laughs> in the mobile VK, which is a glorious piece of old vision for sure from... The Channel 7 Vault. But but the other point is that PB wasn't racing hard for position. Yeah, and he wasn't yeah. trying to extract 100% of the lap Different time out race. of the car. Different race now. And, that, and that's the issue. Like that, that, what, 5%, 10%, 20% in some case of drivers' concentration that they would u- that they would lose by talking and responding accurately to whatever's being asked of them by the commentators, that makes a much bigger difference yeah. to their overall yeah. race now. The The- Look, it's always been a fight for sheep stations. Mm. It's just changed along the journey. So you just can't be in that scenario now. There's there's too much at stake. It's too close. It's too tight. And it would be great. But, this again, it's like I spoke about earlier, like the dash for cash. You know, so many great things that we've got great memories of, mm. sometimes they're better left as memories. Yeah. So simply they're, because they're they just don't – they don't transpose into, no. the, into the now. You know, it's like trying to bring back, hey, hey, it's Saturday again. Oh, hang Jesus. on. That's trying to be done again, isn't it? Didn't I say it the other day that it's back for a 50th anniversary special, special or something? Some kind, yeah. Oh, boy. Like you said, things. some things just should be left in the past. Exactly. I agree. Uh, Michael Sharp, he's been listening to the James Moffat podcast that we did, which, by the way, went very well. Lots of great feedback and great to have Moff on the pod the last few weeks. He's interested to know, has there been anybody else apart from him win a Super 2 race on debut, and he's also interested in hearing about that car that James drove uh, in the 2009 season that he won in Adelaide in with the Sonic team. But you've done the list here, debut Super 2 slash DVS, for want of a better term, race winners, is actually longer than I probably thought. Yeah, agreed. There was there was definitely more instances of it than I expected, uh, but it also it hasn't happened for quite a while. So the very first one was, of course, Wayne Wakefield, who won the very first well, that, that's always yeah. going to count. Yep. Yep. Um, 
David Bernard later in that same 2000 season won his first race at Lakeside. Uh, Simon Wills in his first race in 2001. Team Dynamic Commodore VT. Correct. Won race one at Wakefield. Do, do you know why it's called Team Dynamic with a K? I have a feeling that you were involved. I told him to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because he was going to call it Team <laughs> Dynamic with a C. And I remember talking to him saying, no, Team Dynamics is the Matt Neal yeah. British Touring Car team. It'll be confusing. Yeah. Put a K on it. It'll stand out. Yeah, you were correct. He might not remember it. I remember it vividly. So I assume the check's still in the mail. Must be. Must yeah. be. I think it was care of the Woomera Rocket Range. I'm not quite sure where it's gone, but anyway, it's somewhere. somewhere. Were they, were they that, testing that, out the that, C and the K? That's that what it was? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. That's an episode we need to do as a long form and investigate that issue. I agree with you. That would be mm. a lot of fun. Mm. Let's, let's put that on the list. Talk to yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, back on the list. So, yes, Wakefield, is, Bernard, yeah. Wills. Mark Winterbottom, the, oh, his course. first DVS race in 2003 for Stone Brothers. Yep, uh, he Wakefield won that. Park. There's a theme here. There's a lot of- um, Wakefield Park? Wakefield Park, which, of course, was the first round of the year in a lot of those early DVS seasons um, because 04, Alan Gurr won his first- Smith D- Trucks Commodore. Correct. I remember now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and later that same year, Greg Ritter, who made a cameo uh, appearance in the in DVS. did too. Yeah. Malala, the last Malala. round. Correct. In the Decina car that- Brad, Brad Tilly, Tilly had been, been driving, but Ritter was getting ready to drive with Stones, with Ambrose for the Enduros, and that mm. was a way to get him in a car, and he, I think he took pole and won the round. From Correct. Mm. Yep. Um, then the next one after that was, of course, was of course Moffat uh, in Adelaide in 2009. And then only it's only happened once since then. Oh. Cameron McConville, uh, Winton in 2010. Jack's Commodore, Eggleston mm. Motorsport, our good friends Ben and Rachel Eggleston's Correct. car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, so, so hasn't happened been, since. So no one's. So you look at some of those drivers who stepped in. Uh, Bernard obviously was internationally credentialed and getting ready for the enduro, so they mm. ran him a few rounds and in good machinery. Yep, Wills was a won the series that year. Winterbottom won the series that year. So guys stepped in the really good cars with pedigree and other things. Mm. No, none of those guys were rookie rookies in anything. They they didn't dive straight into that. Yeah, Winterbottom had been a winner in Formula Ford. Race winner, that is. Yep. Uh, Gurr had been in Formula Holden, a bit of super touring. Wills had been in Formula Holden, won the championship the year before. Bernard had been overseas, won Formula Ford as well, done all that stuff. Wakefield had won a million club car races in yes. Queensland. Yeah. So it's funny that there's probably been some really good rookies come into the sport, but they didn't deliver straight away because it's really, it's probably, it probably reflects more how much tougher that series got over time that you can't lob and be the rookie and win straight away. You might win mm. soon, but not first time out of the gate. Well, there was a period in the mid-2010s, of course, where if you turned up in the category as a rookie, you were taking on Paul Dumbrell. And that's always yeah. going to be a hard ask. Yeah. There were some some good ones like a, a Cam Waters, and but he'd been at Minda before he exactly, went to FBR. Yes. So, he sort of, you know- Cut his teeth for a year. He had Kelly's before that, the dream time thing that yep. ended quickly. So Same deal with Chaz Mostert, who raced for Miles Racing. Yep, yeah, Miles, yep, Miles Racing. So, And the car that Moffat drove was a 888 car that had been Lowndes the year before in 2008. Uh, 888 moved to FG, so yep. therefore a few BFs were on the market and available. It was a pretty good car for those who drove it. I mean, stepping back through the list here, hmm. Moffat in 09 finished runner-up yep. in the series, won the Rookie of the Year award. Blanchard in 2010 he finished runner-up runner up two, did he not, or third? Sounds about right. Uh, he had a win in Townsville. Yep. Off the top of my head. Yep. So, that uh, car won both of the, f- the first, first two, two Townsville. Townsville Super Two Rounds. DVS. Yes. Fujitsu Series, I think it was called then. Yep. 
Ryan Simpson ended up with it a few years later, ran in the Kumo series with Sonic running it. Finished and second in both years he did it. Yeah, I mean- It was he unlucky joined, to. He, he joined partway in 13. He mm. missed, I think, the first round. But then just, I think he set a lot of series records for what's now Super 3. Mm. For most race wins in a row, most poles, he was uh, head, head and shoulders above the rest. And in 14, he and Justin Rougier fought for the title. But Simpson got parked at Phillip Island due to a noise issue. Mm. He's meant to roll out on the track for one of the races. No, you're not allowed out. Lost points. Yeah. Lost the momentum and, and lost the championship. Didn't win it. But that car stayed there. Jake Kostecki drove it in 2015. I think he was about eight. At the time, <laughs> yes. uh, or thereabouts, a little bit older. I think he was 15, 16, somewhere yeah, around there. Something like that. Point. Uh, and Tom Randall made a one-off start at Queensland Raceway in that car. Mm. Rusty French ended up buying it. So it was quite ironic that you had the co-owner of Tickford Racing owning a Triple Eight <laughs> car, which was uh, quite funny in the Sky Sands black and gold livery that we're so used to seeing from from Rusty's cars. And from memory, I think he still got it. Mm. So uh, pretty cool car. Uh, not Remarkable quite. pedigree of drivers that have been through yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's done. in all three of the tiers. Yeah. The Supercars Championship, the Development Series, and V8 Touring Cars that's you know now known as Super 3. So, mm. that's pretty cool. Uh, next question from Sean Tanner. What happened to the supercar-inspired drift car that Shane Van Gisbergen drove in a one-off? Oh, that was cool. Remember yeah. the, the video that Red Bull f- filmed of this under lights at Sydney Motorsport Park with- Van Gisbergen going tearing it up. crazy, tearing it up with big handbrake slides. And yeah. it had big flared guards on it to fit the big tyres. And mm. I think he had a big wheel on it, didn't he, as well, to yeah, reef it around the so, corners yeah. and get <laughs> yeah. it sliding. And, and they made a really cool social video. It'd be on YouTube somewhere, probably. Surely, we surely. should dig it out and stick it on um, our social somewhere along the line. So that car is still racing. Yeah. I, I was amazed when I found this out. So it's actually been around a long time. Mm. That car. So, the car we're talking about is actually Triple Eight chassis 40. So, it was Jamie Winkup's car from the Sandown 500 in 2015 right through to Ipswich the next year. Uh, then, it, actually, it was in the active sort of car pool when they turned it into the drift car. They mm. turned it in the drift car for the filming and then they transferred it back to, you know, supercar spec yes. after that. And it's part of a really cool thing. Remember the really cool Virgin Australia pre-flight safety video that they shot with, <laughs> yes. you know, the, the lap yeah, of the track yeah, yeah. with Wing Cup and then, you know, some of the drivers were sitting on seats at the top of the mountain and uh, he took an air hostess, I think, for the hot lap and it was, you know, the or oxygen the mask. Or, yeah, yeah. Pilot, whatever it was. Well, four from, it was a really good clip. Yeah. I remember they, they played it at the Supercars Gala dinner that year, I think, for the first time hmm. and it got a really great laugh in the room. That was that car oh, that Wing Cup drove go. then. Um, so, just one of those nerds pieces of what car was what, when, where, why, and how. So, the drift car was the Virgin Ad car hmm. uh, that was sold to Eggleston Motorsport in 17. Will Brown drove it that year in his first year in Super 2 and in 18. Hmm. So, when uh, V8 Sleuth got on board with young Will oh, yeah. up at Bathurst, uh, Dean Fiore drove it for Eggleston's. Jack Perkins drove it in 19 as well into last year, and then now Matt McLean is racing that car as the 54 car in the Super 2 Series. So, the good news is, Sean, the drift car lives on, but drifting it right now is a slow way to race it. So, <laughs> yes, uh, I wouldn't recommend that to be the, the way to do it. No. Um, I'm going to interrupt the flow of quest- questions going back and forth because I think it would be weird if I tried to answer the next question, sure. which is from Clint Tice. How did the idea of having full race telecasts of Bathursts as part of the Sevens Magic Moments of Motorsport come about? On a side note, thank you for releasing them all and in full. Uh, guilty. Me, guilty. Uh, I suggested it to Chevron. 
who had felt they had scraped through all of the Channel 7 tapes that there were to scrape through. Because it was felt that full Bathists were missing of, yeah. a certain, yeah. of that era, that they the just didn't 70s, exist anymore, 80s, that they yeah. were flying all under a tennis court somewhere. Oh, I, th- I think there, there were some of the early stuff did end up getting turfed out of Sydney and Epping mm. from Channel 7. But uh, the guys at Chevron, so in Sydney, they had released a lot of stuff over the years on video and DVD in more modern times and were starting to rehash over and over the same stuff and we're running out of fresh stuff. And because I'd been doing stuff on V8 Extra and then the Shannon's Legends series, actually, no, Shannon's Legends was after this. Mm. We started doing these DVDs in about 2012. So this was off the back of being involved with V8 Extra and digging through some vision at Channel 7, became aware that there was actually, you know, full Bathists from sort of 76-ish right through to the mid-90s when 7, of course, uh, lost the rights. Touring car rounds, all sorts of odds and ends. So... I'd actually suggested it to John Kittle, who at the time was working for Chevron. Now he he bought the Chevron video marketing business out of Chevron. It's still under the Chevron CMS marketing um, banner, but he owns it independently. Um, it just came from a conversation with those guys to say, look, there's there's more stuff out there. We could actually really put more stuff out that's fresh and new or extended or different mm. that hasn't been out, and that's exactly how it flowed. So I kind of suggested they agreed and we started doing it. We've been doing it for 10 years and oh, for sure the DVD industry's changed a lot in 10 years. It's obviously slowing down a fair bit now because people want it streaming and I'd love to do it streaming but there's reasons why that, that it can't be. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was just a conversation virtually 10 years ago that or thereabouts that led to us releasing, uh, releasing a, a pile of DVDs which it's quite embarrassing one of those pops up in the background, I went to the National Motor Racing Museum um, a little while. Well, when was it? Whenever the last time I was there, and uh, fifty famous Bathurst moments popped up with my oh, ugly yes. head in the background yeah, yeah. and scared the hell out of me. Let alone everybody else out uh, in the room. Speaking of the museum, we've got to give them a plug. There are great mates there at Mount Panorama Bathurst down at the final corner of the track. You got to go in if you go to Bathurst for a race weekend mm. or at any other time of the year. You have to wander in there because there's stuff always changing. Pile of cars have left in recent weeks mm. while they've been closed, of course, with the COVID restrictions in New South Wales. Bit of a chance to move some out, move some in, move them around, uh, jazz it up before um, things open up again. Uh, a little reminder to keep in touch with what's going on there. Follow the National Motor Racing Museum's Facebook page. They do heaps of content of cars coming, cars going, what's happening around the museum. It's really cool, some of the stuff. We share a lot of it, but mm. um, I'd encourage everyone to follow them and get on board with them. The museum's Bathurst website's also the place to go for particularly opening hours and when they're going to reopen, what hours, what days they're open. Normally in the past, they've been open six days a week, bar Tuesdays, but with COVID restrictions and reopenings and things, uh, obviously they've got a bit of a pathway in New South Wales of where they're going and how they're going to get there. So keep abreast of the Facebook page and their website to know what's coming up and what's going on and when you can go. Fingers crossed, Repco Bathurst 1000 week and weekend can roll on in there and go and see them and see some cool stuff and see what's new and what's in and what's out and um, spend some money in the gift shop too to help yes. keep them going because it's been pretty quiet times um, when for those sorts of businesses and part of the council that rely on you know they they need traffic. They're like airflow for a radiator of a of yeah. a race car. You got to keep it moving, and they haven't had anyone coming through there. So um, if you're in Bathurst, near Bathurst, go and see the museum. It's a it's an absolute ripper. Brett Gower, will we ever see any DVDs of supercars from the Foxtel era? Is this our most popular DVD question it ever is asked? Comfortably, yes, by a country mile, yeah. I would say. Uh, no, yeah, I don't see it happen. 
if if full length Bathursts from that year were to be released, I don't think it's going to be until after it, until the sort of post DVD era, where's a streaming deal rather than a yeah. physical release. It, the the way that I answer this when I've been asked this for the nine, nine million times before, Foxtel are not in the business of making DVDs. No, you know. I appreciate that there's a lot of hardcore passionate fans who want to keep their collection running and have it on their shelf. It's just not viable. No. It's, it's not going to happen. For the even if you had two thousand mates who said, "I oh, will all buy one. Can we make it happen?" It's not in Fox. It's not part of their business. It's not what they do. It's not no. what they want to do. It's not what they need to do. So, uh, unfortunately, the era's ending. There, 2015 was the last one that came out. Yes, that was the first year of the Foxtel era, but I think that one came out and a few people went. Uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Not so sure that should be happening. Yeah. Therefore, none have come out from 16 onwards uh, ever again. Hopefully one day. You never know. Um, I know that Supercars have been putting a lot of their older stuff on YouTube and making mm. that available, which Super is great. Archive. Yeah, which is fantastic. Uh, who knows? New rights deals moving forward. If we have a streaming player come into the mix that maybe that can happen, who knows? Or it might even happen through Fox. You, you never know. You they never do know. have a streaming platform in KO. And they need content. Yeah. So, more old races. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Next question from Saren Thatch. Regular listener Regular and reader. Listener. Which Bathurst 1000s from years gone by would you like to see being used for a motorsport documentary following the release of the Schumacher documentary on Netflix not that long ago? Ooh, good question. That, uh, Fox, ironically tying back to the last question, Fox have done a couple of docos. A couple on, of good ones. Yeah. Uh, 2006 was yep. a good one. Some years, a few years ago now when the Bathurst Channel first hmm. started. There was a 2014 race one as well, I remember. Correct, yes. Um the thing that clicks in my mind here is different to probably the fan's mind because Mm -hmm. I instantly think who's still alive, who's available, what state do they live in, can we talk to them, what story's not been told before, what can we embellish, what can we flesh out, where can we get the vision, can we add some different stuff to it rather than, oh, this year's race was a corker or that was really – that's the bit I go to (laughs) the next after all The bit where you actually have to then – actually, the bits you need to execute the documentary, which is the hard part. Yeah. Because there, there are many Bathursts that you can choose you could, the way, you could that do have one on every year's race, yeah. really. But you just you need that extra content to actually execute it. You need nice sit down grabs. You yeah. need ideally some period different vision, vision from some different yeah. period vision to the race cut yeah. that everyone's seen, which don't, which you can't go back and record. No, you either <laughs> need to find it, find someone who had it, or cross your fingers and hope it's out there somewhere. Yeah, I, I actually have a different thought on a mm-hmm. particular than, rather than a particular race. You know what I'd do? Mm-hmm. It might not be popular with people, mm-hmm. but it might be quite interesting for some. The Battle of Bathurst. Yes. So, yep. the, 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 how's that? Remember that? The Kerry Packer, the series about World Series cricket that yes. was created. That's been documented quite heavily over the years, what World Series cricket did for mm. cricket. Remember there was Super League? Yeah. I'm not a big rugby league follower or fan. I, I don't know. I'd like to know more about the Super League mm. thing, but basically fight for TV rights. Murdoch's Packer Nine. There Fox, is a book coming Bay. out about it. There Not is one that we've made, but there is one. Yeah. Oh, cool! I'd yeah. be up for reading that. Yeah. I wish I could remember who's writing it. I've saw it on Twitter very recently, okay. but yeah, good to know. I'd actually like to have, have a read of that. Yeah. I, I love a good sports uh, sports feature book. Hmm. Uh, no, no one's ever done, or probably ever going to do the Battle of Bathurst. I mean, the fabric of the sport was under huge strain. Hmm. Uh, that you know, Peter Brock was being stopped. From racing in the Bathurst 1000. He said, no, I'm going to do it. Stuff is all. Hmm. He had a deal with Channel 7. I, I, I've got a weird feeling, and maybe you can help me on this, 
of reading recently-ish, maybe it was an old period material or something recent, at the launch of the AMP Bathurst 1000 in 1997, Brock was behind the curtain about to go out for the announcement, meet the press, have the chit-chat, and was under the gun on not being allowed to do it. Wow. Okay. Right, fine, like at the, you know, nth degree right yeah. before rollout. You know, there was huge pressure for, for him not to do that race. Remember Larry Perkins, we wrote about it on the yeah. website some time ago, um, had an offer, of a pretty serious financial offer to drive a Vauxhall for Triple Eight. Mm. Um, Russell Ingle was going to do it. And then did, well, did do it the next year, but 97. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I'm not sure that there's enough in it to really hold the mainstream sporting person's interest, but it might be enough to say, do you, you know, it was our Super League. It was our yeah. World Series cricket moment because the bigger Vesco thing was going on with, hang on a minute, you guys should be paid to be the stars, not paying to be the stars. Mm. Bathurst became embroiled, television networks. It's kind of got all the elements. I think so. Of, I think um, Political fights and yeah. sporting superstars, the big names, the big stage, uh, you know. And the great thing is it's not you know, late 90s. It's not 50 years ago. It's yeah. 24 or five years ago. So you could chat to, on the two-leader side, Alan Gow, Kelvin O'Reilly, Peter Adderton, various people, supercar yeah. side, Coco's still around. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of people around who could paint the picture. And then what it meant to... Other people, because it, it caused a lot of drama. It was yeah, it was beefy. I reckon there's enough in that. Well, um, there are people that are still adamant that the Bathurst 1000 we have now is a different race in mm. terms of lineage to what existed prior to 98. To some of the fans and followers who read our website and listen to our pod, they are adamant that the Bathurst 1000 died after the 1998 race. If the mm. ARDC didn't run it, it's not a Bathurst 1000. Yeah. I don't tend to agree. Yeah, same. I, you could be very strict in your interpretation of things, depending on how strict you are. But I, I you know, there's, everything's got eras. Everything evolves. Yeah. I, I know that they've never acknowledged World Series cricket statistics in the mm. official Cricket Australia statistics. It's been a long going quest to have that happen, and, and it's not going to happen because it was outside of their jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, but I think we've ended up at a good place where we acknowledge. Both of those races, because they both had the elements. Yeah. You know, the two-litre race, if, you, if you're if you pro two-litre, it was the traditional um, organising body, traditional date, track, broadcaster, different cars, but with yeah. some familiar faces. The other one, well, fans voted with their feet. It was the People's Bathurst, no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, different network, same cars that raced the year before, same stars, all the big names. They both had a claim, so hmm. I think it's good that we, you know, I think it'd be pretty crappy if we called Jim Richards a six-time Bathurst one thousand winner. Yeah, exactly. He's seven. He won. He won yeah. in a Volvo. It was like, a thousand-kilometer race around Bathurst that was yeah. built as a Bathurst one thousand. Yeah, it was the Bathurst yeah. one thousand. So. This is this isn't like trying to claim Brock's twenty two thousand three twenty four hour Different with his tenth. Yeah. Not the same thing at all. No, no, agree. So if I have to pick a year though, mm-hmm. eighty seven. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. That's a very good call. A few There's people no shortage of controversy in that. Yeah, a few people not around. Uh, a few people you'd need to grab from overseas. Yep. But yeah, plenty of scandal, plenty of drama. Jesus. World Touring yeah. Car Championship, Brock, Texaco. Yeah. Yeah, there's enough the fact there. That there was no official winner locked in, take it to the bank until April the following <laughs> year or March the following year. <laughs> Who were those screaming chicks at the bottom of the podium that year? 
It's all that yeah. you can hear on the video <laughs> of the podium. Oh my god! Yeah. But by, by the way, we should mention the seven sport magic moments and motorsport DVDs that we talked about before. We have full races of Bathurst, which includes all the vision from the ad breaks mm. that was never broadcast on the day. Jump on our website, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. If you're looking for something for Christmas or if you want to add to your collection. Uh, and if any of the DVDs that you know that are out there aren't on our online shop, if we haven't put them up there, just send us a note and we'll, we'll put them up there so you can order them as well. Yeah. What, what about you? What year? Um, or have you got a different version? Well, in terms, of what, in terms of what you were outlining bef- earlier in terms of the components you need to actually create a documentary, you can't just rely on like race vision. Um, and I'm not biased in this at all by this product we've been working on for quite a while, but probably story of Bathurst 93 and Larry winning, Larry Perkins winning with a Holden engine for the final time, because I know there was a lot of There is a lot shot. of other vision. Yes. By a certain um, production house in Melbourne. Yes. Who were going to make a documentary mm-hmm. and it fell through. Uh, that is a shame. Because mm. I, I remember watching um, a few years ago now, the NASCAR doco refused to lose. Refused to lose. Which one's that? So, that's the one where um, Ray Evernham had a video crew follow the uh, 24 yes. crew all yes. the way through the lead up to the 97 Daytona 500. But it never got aired? They didn't do anything. Well, it got um got knocked on the head for some reason at the time and nothing happened with it. And then it was uncovered years and years and years later. And, yeah, they turned it into a full documentary with snippets from Ray, Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon interspersed, like, recorded now, now, present day, yeah, um, interspersed within it to give context and to talk further about it. And it's really cool, Doco. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's no, good. I, I would yeah, highly yeah. recommend it. All right, sounds good. Lock it in. I'll yeah. have a look at sometime. Uh, by the way, uh, Saren mentioned about the the Schumacher documentary on Netflix, which I caught a few weeks ago. Actually, mm. took me a little while to get around to, to doing it. There's a little part of me that felt. I mean, it was great to see so much of that vision. Yes. One of the things I really love, and uh, the modern era of Formula One. Opening up the vault, it's we're great, seeing it? more of it in yeah. more. So independent documentary producers and content creators are able to. I mean, I, I know it costs a lot of money to air Formula One vision, mm. but there's a, they're finding a way. And Formula One are using it for a lot of their own stuff on yeah. socials and YouTube and stuff like that too. So that's cool. I kind of felt like it tried to do too much and didn't do enough of anything. Yeah, like we got to. Uh, I did enjoy it though. And I also appreciate that these things aren't just for the hardcore. Hmm. They are for a, a broader audience than just car racing tragics like you and I and, and our listeners. But I just felt we got – and I never expected there to be a huge insight into his accident or no. his condition as it is now. And we got a little bit of the the mentality of the family as yeah. to why they've approached it, how they've approached it. You know, it was basically his wife saying he's protected us his whole life. Now it's our turn to protect him. Yeah. I get it. I completely yeah. get it. That, that's I, not the bit that I feel- oh, great. Oh, that's not the bit that's yeah, missing from I, this. You know, so the, the comeback to Formula One, the, um, you know, it painted over the, you know, if you're doing an independent documentary on Schumacher, Hareth 97, Adelaide 94, uh, they're all being, you know, you're picking them apart a bit more. Yeah. Uh, they, they went into those a lot more than I expected yeah, them to. Yeah, true, but there's- But there's, there's there was plenty, more to go into. There's the ruthlessness. Mm. It was- the vibe of it was there. Yeah. But not to the level that I sort of feel like when I think Schumacher, I think brilliance, but I think ruthlessness. So, I feel like we've been spoilt by The Last Dance, the NBA, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls doco. Good point. That was- we talk about not something that wasn't made for the hardcores. That's a documentary that 
oh. is so in-depth and hardcore but is enjoyable. Yep. Oh, my my wife is not a basketball follower mm. or fan. We were hanging for every episode that was being dropped when it was coming out. Yeah. And wasn't just same, yeah. wasn't just me. It wasn't yeah. just me. It wasn't just me. And and it's kind of like what you're saying. Drive to Survive has done that for Formula One. Totally. How many people were not Formula One fans, don't watch races, but saw that and click. They've either watched the race or a little bit. They're more aware of mm. who Lando Norris is or who Grosjean is or, you know, the people yeah. who have been in it over time. Good to start has probably got a new <laughs> fan club that he never had yes. before. Um and and yeah, so I I see that and that's cool, but I think you're right. The bar's getting set higher and higher yeah. every it, time. It needed more it needed to not just be a one shot two hour deal. They need to ex- they needed could more real estate. It could have been a series, maybe not a particularly four, long series. Three, four episodes. Something like that. Something to just cover the different eras and allow them to go a bit deeper. Mm. There was no not really any talk about it is Mercedes. Stuff yeah, that just like the there was Mercedes a shot of sports him at a launch, car stuff, wasn't there? and the Mercedes oh, twenty ten yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 true. Like yeah. it would have been cool to see, given like he was one of three drivers who was in that Mercedes Junior Team program, and he he wasn't the one that was highly rated when he came into it. Yeah, Frenson and Winling were the yeah the stars, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, just just little things like that where I feel like they could have gone a bit deeper. Yeah, where they did in some parts, but they just didn't have the time to do so. Mm. I still I enjoyed know. it though. Yeah, I, I still enjoyed it, and, and I always look at these things. It's, and I see a lot of it on socials and some of it from our listeners and readers who get upset and express their frustration at things like this or that why seventh gear on at 4.30 on a Monday afternoon? Who's who's at home to watch that? Mm. You've got to always think with the blinkers off, guys and girls. This is about a bigger thing than just us. Mm. We're in it. We're always going to want to read it, find it, watch it, whatever. It's about trying to open it up, open it up and find a way to bring some more people into it. Yeah. So, you know what? You can watch seventh gear on 7 Plus whenever you like. Yeah. If you're not home at, at 4.30 on a Monday afternoon to watch it, it's not the end of the world. There's a way. You can watch stuff when you want now. That's the mm. world that we, that we live ex- in. That extra thing that they released on Friday that wasn't part of the original show, I thought was great. With some extra bits. Yeah. I didn't get to see it, but it was kind of an extra yeah, A lot of um, silly season show. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. Uh, did You picked your year, didn't you? I did, too. Uh, 1993. Okay. Lock it in, Eddie. Lock yep. it in. Uh, Lumi Shemmett, thoughts on Scott McLaughlin winning the IndyCar Rookie of the Year Award? Uh, I think entirely deserved. Like, good on him. He's a guy that, who- don't forget, has not raced a single seater car extensively, like like a, like most of the other rookies in IndyCar. He's a guy who had what four Formula Ford races under his belt, yeah, something like that. And that yeah. was it. Like that, you don't get much more rookie than that. But not many rookies walk into Team Penske. True. Yeah, you walk into a good gear. You're not walking into the back end of the road team. But you still you still got to do the job. Oh, totally, totally. One thing that really caught my eye though before that last race in Long Beach. He was only 20 points ahead of Roman Grosjean. Mm. Grosjean didn't do the ovals. He didn't do Indy, he didn't do Texas, and he didn't do- What do they call Gateway now? Worldwide, Worldwide Web Technology. Or something? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Worldwide yeah, Technology it's something, gateway something. to me. Yeah. I'm very 97 carts. But, uh, <laughs> yes. So, there's three races that Grosjean wasn't in, and he was 20 points off McLaughlin. So, I would almost argue that Grosjean, had he, well, had he won the Rookie of the Year award, I don't think you would have sat there and gone, oh, that's unfair. I think you could argue quite strongly <laughs> that he had any a- race car driver would say, no, I don't want that. <laughs> three, three, three races less. And he, you know, if he was to have won it on the point score, wow, what an achievement. I mean, he's made an, an incredible impact this year in the States, Grosjean. Not to say McLaughlin hasn't. He has. Hmm. I mean, you know, what was he, second at Texas? Yes. You know, uh, another podium 
what did he have later on in the year? Uh, Mental flashback, anyway. Yeah. He had a couple of strong runs. Had a dip in the middle of the year post-Indy where Scotty kind of lost his way a little bit. And clearly, first year, like, he was always yeah. going to have that. So, I think he's a deserved Rookie of the Year award winner. But I was almost shocked to see that Grosjean was so close, having done three less races going into that last round. It goes back to what I was saying saying off the top of this, like, sure, Grosjean didn't do those three races, but you know what he did do? He did 10 years in Formula One. Oh, for X sure. number of years of junior open wheel of Formula Racing. He, he He's a rookie in name, but he's a very- yeah. Ex- yeah. He's an exceptionally well-credentialed rookie. Yeah, very he, much so. It's the equivalent of- Well, equivalent's probably a bit strong, but it's like Mansell turning up in IndyCar in 93. Yeah. Like, he's, he was an open wheel driver, yeah. a top open wheel driver. It's like Alonso- being a rookie at Indy. Yes, he's a rookie at the track. Yeah. A rookie in Indy car race, but it's not like he's just come out of junior categories and, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. I get it. If you're going to compare an apples to an almost apples situation, it's comparing McLaughlin to Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Geez, he could, he copped some hate this year, Jimmy Johnson, didn't he? Yeah, he did. That was rough. Unjustified. I, I reckon when the guy, I don't know, we're taken away from the chat here, but I love indie cars and I know you do mm. too. When a guy who's won seven cup titles and a bazillion races, he could easily have gone, I'm done. I'm going to count my cash. I'm going to put my feet up, enjoy my time with my family. Yeah. I'm going to just disappear or I'm going to just consult to Hendrix or I'm going to yeah. do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something that doesn't take me, talk take about, me away every weekend. Talk about taking on a challenge. Jeez, and it yeah. smells like he'll do the ovals next year. At the very yeah. least, he'll do the 500. Yeah. Points to him. How many more eyeballs has it put on IndyCar racing? Brought another sponsor into the sport, yeah. another car on the grid. I mean, they are. IndyCar racing's the healthiest it's been. I would almost argue since the split. Yeah, I think that's a look, pretty look fair assessment. The, the volume of cars, the quality of drivers, the fact that small teams like Dale Coyne with Grosjean can run at the front and finish yeah. on the podium, that you can, you know, be Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, but you're not guaranteed to win every week. Yeah. More often than not, the bigger teams do win, but, uh, you know, there's exciting young drivers. Yeah. Hello, winning the championship, VK coming through. Um, obviously, Newgarden's still not that old. Mm. Uh, Colton Herder. Like, we've got this new wave of IndyCar stars mixed with the, you know- the, With your Dixons, the, your The powers. previous generation yeah. established guys, plus then the, the invaders, let's call them, the Grosjeans, Marcus mm. Ericsson. Then you've got some younger guys coming through, getting a crack from Indy Lights. Um I think it's really, really cool. They've done a really great job of that. And that was going on before Penske bought it, though. For sure. It, it was trending that way. But uh, maybe there's time for another IndyCar chat another time. Yes. At some, at some stage, anyway. As it is, we're up to our last question. Well, okay. it's, a, it's a good one. Right. I, I, I personally, I don't have an answer for this question, but I figured it would be a fun one to throw in. Yep. Tristan Lewis, is Prince Leopold von Bayern- the richest person ever to compete in a Bathurst 500 or 1,000. <laughs> How's that for a final question? Oh, I've got no idea. I've not <laughs> seen anybody's bank balances who's ever competed in the 1,000. He'd be hard to beat, surely. Yeah. I, I did a quick look online. Now he's like a Crown Prince of Bavaria or something, something like that? Something like that. It's yeah. from a long royal lineage. Yeah. And I don't see them being short of cash. Well, I couldn't find an exact number, mm. but yeah. I, I think Tristan might be onto something here because I couldn't think of anyone who would be otherwise- Aristocracy as- type well, yeah. connected there. No, I yeah. can't think of anyone. And in terms mm. of um, businessmen or business people to race in the race that had vast sums of money, I don't think Bob Jane at the time he was competing would have- 
He did a have a later lot. On. But yeah, but at the time and he really was competing. Selling, selling tires at that stage. Mm. I think Tristan's on something here. I think that would – if you think that there's someone who over time would have been a richer person to compete in a Bathurst great race, send us an email. Get yeah. in touch on socials. There might be someone that we've forgotten over the journey who might be a contender, but, geez, I reckon we'd have an outsider to be able to get onto that list. Mm, That's big time. Nice one, Tristan. We always come up with curly ones when we do Q&A on the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Repco. Thank you, everybody, for sending them in. Um Thank you to everyone who sent them in and we couldn't get to them. Uh, we do keep a bit of a, a running backlog of questions that sometimes find their way into future episodes, but we do do call-outs through Facebook predominantly for our, our questions. But if you've got any along the journey, send them via the contact form on our website, which is v8sleuth.com.au, or get in touch through all the other social platforms. We'll do our best to answer those. Don't forget, head to the website, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. It's where we've got our latest releases, all sorts of uh, books from over the journey, DVDs, prints, there's some model cars now yeah, yes. in stock as well. If you're a Mustang fan, there's a few of the new 118th scale cars, the Cam Waters Bathurst car from last year, pulsating car, um, uh, the Chas Mostert retro super cheap um, Sandown car from a few years ago, and the Davos Milwaukee yes. retro car from Sandown a few years ago as well. So couple there to add to your collection. If you're a Mustang fan, jump on the website, grab those. Plenty of content on our V8 Sleuth website. I'll tell you what, plenty of news stories and interesting stories that you don't get anywhere else jump on the mailing list so you get out we do pretty much two emails a week with mm. links to the latest stories sometimes to give you the, the heads up on some product lines that are coming onto uh, the stock of the bookshop website as well uh, join up on the the mailing list because sometimes too we sneak out a few codes to our mailing list subscribers that give them some discounts on various things and opportunities that you don't get otherwise. So get on that mailing list through our V8 Sleuth website. Uh, that's us done. Anything else to add? I think we put A's to most Q's, except probably the last as, one. As many as we could, yes. We tried our best. Well, without an ASIC sort of, <laughs> without a financial investigator. True, true. Probably a good thing that we don't have one yeah. of those, because uh, they could get to us as well. Yeah. Uh, everyone, thank you again for listening to the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. Uh, next episode... Stand by. TBC. TBC. But We're talking to TBA. I'm going He's to fi- talk. They're finally no, chatting. No, no, no. TBA's not talking. <laughs> I'm going to talk to someone who is part of an ownership group of a supercars team that was born overseas. Small list. Small list, but see if you can guess it. That's next week. Well, planned to be next week. Barring COVID, barring lockdown, barring all sorts of... Anything could happen in the world. But that's our plan at the moment for the next pod. You will find out and see more about it. Uh, Subscribe to the pod because then you get the notification to tell you when the latest episode is up and about. We do them pretty much every Wednesday lunchtime is about when they they all drop, give or take an hour or two. Uh, We are going to bring back Repco Supercars Weekly when the supercars come back to the track later in the month. Looking forward to that as well. But in the meantime, thank you, Will. Well played. Thank you. We'll see you again very soon. We'll hear... Uh, from you on a future pod with more A's to Q's. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Join us next week for another edition of the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Arepco. Check you then. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, 
and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.